Well, good morning. It's great to see all of you. We do, as Tucker said, welcome our visitors, and we're delighted that you're here and want you to be back as often as you possibly can. Uh, we got some of the Hall family here with us, and uh, let's keep praying for Mackenzie uh, that she will feel better very, very soon. Still no uh, real answers to her situation, but we're praying that there will be, and even more praying for a great solution. More announcements will be made in just a moment, but that's been weighing on our hearts, I know. I want to give you a, a little Bible geography lesson, uh, one with which many of you are familiar. But if you look at a map of first century Palestine, you'll see some bodies of water to, to the left or to the west, there's the great Mediterranean Sea, but inland, in the north, there's the Sea of Galilee, the larger body of Nord in, in the north, and then the Dead Sea at the bottom. The Sea of Galilee is actually a freshwater lake. It's a very large lake, and I was reading in a Bible dictionary to get some of the uh, description of it. It's nearly 700 feet below the level of the Mediterranean, 700 feet below sea level. It is uh, fed chiefly from the north by the Jordan River. The Jordan River, the headwaters of the Jordan are in the mountains of Lebanon. Mount Hermon is a prominent one. And so the Jordan River actually flows into the Sea of Galilee from, from the north. You'll, you'll remember the Sea of Galilee as you read the gospel accounts that many of the first apostles were first fishermen. And so the Sea of Galilee was teeming with, with life, with fish, and that, was, that made the area around the Sea of Galilee a great commercial center. And Jesus and the apostles spent uh, much of the minist Jesus' ministry in that location. So fish was uh, a primary food, and, and that's where they caught the fish. It was also a primary water source for, for Israel uh, in that time. But waters from Mount Hermon and other mountains north flow from the Jordan River into the Sea of Galilee. But on the south side of the Sea of Galilee, the waters also continue to flow into the Jordan River down to, I think, about 63 miles to, uh, to the Dead Sea. Let me tell you some things about the Dead Sea. Many of you of our minds will immediately think of the Dead Sea as the name suggests. There's no marine life in, in the Dead Sea. The salt content, I've read varying uh, percentages, but at least 5% more salty than the Mediterranean Sea. Some that I know um, have been in the Dead Sea and, and felt the buoyancy that... Uh, uh, that you experience in that in that Dead Sea. Six million tons of water, Holman's Bible Dictionary says, flow from from the Jordan River into the Dead Sea every 24-hour period. Six million tons of water. But yet the level of the Dead Sea only rises 10 to 15 feet. It's because the water evaporates so quickly in in that area, and it's a very arid desert uh, situation. But here is a unique thing about the Dead Sea. Even though it has these, this life-giving water that 
fish in, are able to inhabit that flow into the Dead Sea, again, they can't survive. Why is that? One reason is the Dead Sea has no outlet. It is some 1,300, no, almost 1,300 feet below sea level. Some sources I read said it's one, of the, one, if not the lowest place on this earth. And it's the Dead Sea, the Salt Sea. No life can be sustained in that sea. The reason why I share with you some things that you probably already knew about the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea is that it's really descriptive of people as well. And many have made note of this, and I want to make note of it today. Sea of Galilee, teeming with fish, um, sustaining life and giving life to humanity, even today, has fresh water flowing into it, but it also has an outlet for that life-giving water to continue to flow out of the Sea of Galilee and down the Jordan River. Some people are like that. They receive blessings from God, but they don't store it up for them, themselves. They allow them the blessings of God to flow through them so that, that we can bless other people. Others are like the Dead Sea. They receive the same water, but yet it becomes stagnant and there's no life in it. And it represents a person who is a taker, simply a taker and, and not a giver. When I was telling Tucker about how I wanted to approach this lesson, he said, it's just like Coach Butts has always said, don't be a reservoir. Don't be a reservoir. And here's a quote that I found. We are meant to be reservoirs and not, and not river. Or we're, our life is to be like a river, not a reservoir. We're building upon this idea. We started in the first Sunday of this month talking about God. Who is the great I am? And one thing about God, the way he has revealed himself, is he is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And we learned that about uh, in the context of Abraham comm being commanded to give his son Isaac as, a, as an offering. And God, an angel of the Lord stopped him and God provided a ram. And he named the place Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And God is the same provider for you and me today. Jesus, who came to reveal God and to, to uh, help us to know God more, described himself as the good shepherd. And that was a prominent occupation in the first century. And the good shepherd spent his life and even would give his life in the care of the sheep. And the idea of a good shepherd also has that idea of, of a great provider. And so Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. And he's telling us about God who is, is the shepherd who provides for us. In light of who God is, and Ephesians 5 verse 1 tells us to be imitators of God as beloved children. So we're, we're supposed to be like our Heavenly Father. Who is He? He's a great giver. And so last week, Tucker preached a lesson on being a cheerful giver. And that's an extension of who God is, who Jesus is, and who we are to be in light of who our Heavenly Father 
and in light of who Jesus Christ is. We are to be givers, and not just givers, but cheerful givers. But in light of this geography lesson that I just shared with you, again, here is the theme. Our life is to be like a river, not a reservoir. Or in terms of those lakes, our life is to be like the Sea of Galilee, blessed with waters from the Jordan, but also giving waters from, from the Jordan on the south end. We're to be more like the Sea of Galilee than the Dead Sea, who receives but doesn't give. Who receives and doesn't give. Let me give you an example, a biblical example of what a reservoir type person is. It's from a story that Jesus told. And first we need to note the context of that occasion when he told this story. Luke chapter 12, verse 13 beginning. Then one from the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So it's an inheritance dispute. And there's presumably at least two brothers here. And one is wanting Jesus to settle this dispute that he has with his brother. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Presumably his older brother was the elder brother who would get two-thirds, if there's just the two, two-thirds of the inheritance and he would just get one-third. <clears throat> and perhaps this younger brother says, that's, that's not enough. Or perhaps the older brother's being even more stingy. Watch Jesus' response. He said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? In other words, Jesus says, that's not why I'm here. That's not why I've come. But then he gets to the real heart of the issue. He says to them, not just to the one, but to both of them, take heed and beware of covetousness or greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. You are concerned about material things. But Jesus gets to the heart of the issue and he says, that's not what life is all about. There's more to life than material things. But that's what you're consumed with right now. Beware, beware, lest covetousness and greed overtake your heart. And then he tells a simple story, driving this point home. He spoke a parable to them saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So here is a rich man that's blessed yet again with an abundant crop. In the terms of our Bible geography lesson, the waters from Mount Hermon and the mountains of Lebanon have come and just filled his lake. In this sense, for this farmer, it's an abundant crop. And he begins to ask himself, what am I going to do with all of this abundance? Let's keep reading. So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And as you look at Jesus as he unfolds this story and talks about the perspective of this rich farmer, all that you see with this rich farmer is, well, you, what you don't see is what, what do you think God wants me to do with this? 
Or how can I use these blessings from God that I just have received? I didn't do anything to earn them or to merit them. They are blessings from God. And there's no thought about what does God want me to do. And there's no thought about how can I bless other people with the abundance with which I've been blessed. In fact, as you see, if you look at these, at these two verses, you'll, they're filled with the pronouns I and my. And that's his whole focus. What am I going to do with this? I will build barns. And that's where I will put my stuff. And then I'll, I will be able to just take it easy the rest of my life. Do you hear the selfishness in this language? No thought about what does God want me to do. No thought about how can I bless other people. It's just how can I store it up for myself. Folks, that's a reservoir, isn't it? It's a reservoir. It becomes a dead sea. It becomes a dead sea. And watch God's judgment. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then who will those things be which you have provided? And the answer is, they won't be the rich farmers anymore. Because you can't take it with you. You've heard that phrase. Here's a scriptural backing of that. From 1 Timothy 6 and verse 7, which says, uh, It is certain that we have brought nothing into the world. It is certain that we can carry nothing out. You can't take it with you. You die, and how, how much did this billionaire leave when he died? And the answer is, all of it. You can't take it with you. But watch what Jesus says. So is he who is rich So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Jesus has told us about a rich man who had an abundant crop, increasing his riches. He was rich in a material sense. But Jesus says he is not rich toward God. Who is rich toward God? Not a reservoir. Not someone who takes the blessings of God and just hoards them for himself or herself. Who is rich toward God? Those who receive the blessings from God, like the Sea of Galilee and the waters from the mountains above it. But also has an outlet and he shares those blessings so that other people can be blessed and so God can be glorified. That's the person who is rich toward God. So here's the application. Let's be rivers, not reservoirs. Let's be like the Sea of Galilee and receive the blessings from God, but receive them and also to share them with others and to honor our God. And let's don't be dead-end reservoirs where the Jordan dumps its waters into a sea that is dead to a seed that is dead. And here are three primary applications or three specific applications of where we need to be rivers and not reservoirs. Number one, with our treasures. With our treasures. When it comes to our material blessings, always remember we are stewards and not owners. 
We are stewards and not owners. What was the rich fool's problem? He had an I problem. It was all about himself. I and my. We need to remember our stuff is not our stuff. It's God's stuff. God has blessed us with these blessings. In fact, here are four principles of stewardship. Number one, everything I have belongs to God. And I need to view everything that, that I have that, that I may lay claim to as being God's. It's not mine. It belongs to God ultimately. Number two, God has entrusted some things to my care. Again, a, another biblical example of this idea of stewardship is Joseph in Potiphar's house. <clears throat> when Potiphar purchased Joseph as a slave, he saw something special in Joseph. And so he made him the manager, or we could call him the steward, over his household. And we see such <clears throat> confidence on the part of Potiphar that he basically lets him have it. In fact, when Potiphar's wife tries to seduce Joseph, Joseph reminds her, your husband, my master, has entrusted his household, the affairs of his household, to my care. And you are his wife. You don't belong to me. Therefore, I will not uh, give in to your advances. But look at the confidence he's saying that, that Potiphar has entrusted me. I am a steward. I'm not the owner. I'm a steward. I'm a manager of these things. That's the same way God owns everything, but he's entrusted some things to my, to my care. Thirdly, God expects me to use these resources in service to him. And Joseph managing Potiphar's household, he expected him to manage it well, to take care of the things in Potiphar's household. But number four, a fourth principle of stewardship, is that one day I will give an account of my stewardship. One day, God is going to ask me, what did you do with the blessings that I give you? Were you a reservoir? Were you something like the Dead Sea who just, you just thought they're all about me and they're mine, mine, mine? Or were you like the Sea of Galilee or the Jordan River that shared these blessings with others? It is required in stewards and managers that one be found Faithful, 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 2. And so I want to be a river, not a reservoir, when it comes to treasures, material possessions. So as a good steward, we need to give generously to the work of the church. Tucker talked a lot about this and read from 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And I want to revisit one of those texts, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7. This I say to you, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. Don't give, and the context is, as Paul is gathering a collection for the suffering saints in Jerusalem. And he's told him to lay by in store, and he's coming, and do this week after week, and then when I come, I will take your gift and give it to these suffering saints. 
But he's saying, give bountifully. Give as you you have purposed in your heart. Not grudgingly, not, oh, I don't want to do this. Not of necessity, not because I have to do this. But being a cheerful giver because I, I want to do this. I want to share the blessings of God. I want to be a river and not a reservoir. And sometimes the question is asked, well, how much should we give to the work of the church? And many will just flat out say, well, you give a tenth. What that comes from is from the old law. And that's, you read through the Old Testament and you'll see that at the minimum, the Israelites were commanded to give a tenth of their income. That's what the word tithe means. VP Black and then followed by Billy Lambert, have done tons and tons of study in this area. And here's a quote from Billy Billy Lambert. Can you conceive of those early Christians who were converted from the Jewish faith to Christianity giving less to God under the law of grace than they did under the law of Moses? I think that's a great point. They gave at least a tenth. And also reading V.P. Black and Billy Lambert, actually they gave much more than that. Should that be a starting point for us? But let's give generously to the work of the church. It's the greatest work on, on earth. But also, let's give generously to the needs of others. And I see that, we see that from time and time again within this church family. If there's a need... You give so generously and so lovingly and so willingly. When you love someone, it's not how much can I afford to give. It's how much can I give, period. It's not look in my wallet but count out the bills. It's take what you need, take what you need. So give generously to the needs of others as you do. Give generously to good works. But the idea, folks, is don't be a reservoir. Don't be like the Dead Sea. Be a Sea of Galilee. Use the blessings that God has given us, the treasures, the material things that God has blessed us with, and let's be channels of blessings to other people. The second area, let's be a river, not a reservoir, with our time, with our time. Time is one of our most precious resources. Benjamin Franklin is credited with these lines. Dost thou love life? Then do not squander time, for that is the stuff life is made of. I've heard it said, I'm going to use a roll of paper towels, that life is like a roll of paper towels, that the closer that you get to the end of the roll, the quicker it goes. And I'm finding that true of life. The older I get, the faster it seems to go by. I see it in grandchildren. (laughs) And I'm wanting to say, stop, clock, stop. Slow down. It's going way too fast. They're going to become teenagers and they're going to forget about me one day. Slow down. Slow down. I'm not going to let you forget about me. Time 
Here's another quote. It's perishable and irreplaceable. You think about that. It's perishable and irreplaceable. And God has given us, each of us, as long as we live, 24 hours in a day, the quality, joy, and impact of our lives are directly related to how wisely we use the time that we have. So the scripture tells us, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Redeem the time. Make the most of the time. So let's make the most of our time. Let's be rivers, not reservoirs, by living for God and by loving and serving others. Because life is not found in the abundance of things we possess. It's found in the relationships that we share with those that we love. And so we need to be intentional about using our time and planning our time to use it wisely in God's service and in loving others. And thirdly and finally, let's be rivers and not reservoirs with our talents, with our talents. I've shared these scriptures with you a couple of times in the last few months, but I'm going to do it again. Romans 12, I love this list in Romans 12. There are miraculous spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, which I believe the Bible teaches don't exist today. But the, these gifts, except for possibly one, seem to me to be non-miraculous in nature. In other words, they are gifts that exist today. And I would suggest that each of us can probably find ourselves in at least, as having at least one of these gifts. Watch what Paul says. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out in proportion to your faith. That's the only one of the, in this list that may have a, a miraculous spiritual gift involved. However, it's not necessarily miraculous. Prophecy has to do, we usually think of foretelling the future. But prophecy also means forth-telling God's Word. If your gift is speaking, communicating the Word of God, do it in proportion to your faith. It doesn't have to be a miraculous spiritual gift. Read on. If your gift is serving others, many of you have that gift. Serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, and some of you have that gift, you just have that ability to be an encouraging person to others around you. If that's your gift, Paul says, be encouraging. If it's, if it's giving, then give generously. Some of us more than others have been blessed by the, by the waters of Mount Hermon, if you will. And God has blessed us with abilities that through which we've been able to be blessed with a great income. And we're able to give. And you don't have to be well-to-do to give generously. Generously is really a percentage, isn't it? It's a proportion of what the blessings that we've given. You don't have to be rich to give generously, but if giving is your, and it doesn't just have to be material things, it can be time, 
It can be using your talents. But if it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And finally, if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. I believe some versions translate that mercy. If you have the ability to show mercy, do it gladly. Do you see yourself in any of those? If not, you're probably not looking closely enough. Each of us has at least one talent. And what's Paul's message? Use it. Don't just use it for your own selfish benefit. Use it to glorify God. Use it to bless other people. Be a river, not a reservoir. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, Peter echoes, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. This is the New American Standard Version. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking actual words of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Whatever gift you've received, use it to the glory of God by serving others. That's the message. With the talents with which God has given you, use them to bless others, and to glorify God. Our life is to be like a river, not a reservoir. I don't know that we sing this song, but this song, the lyrics capture the idea beautifully, I think. It's it's entitled, Make Me a Channel of Blessing by Harper, Harper Smith. And here's the first verse in the chorus. Is your life a channel of blessing? Is the love of God flowing through you? Are you telling the loss of the Savior? Are you ready His service to do? Make me a channel of blessing today. Make me a channel of blessing, I pray. My life possessing, my service blessing. Make me a channel of blessing today. Make me a channel, a river, not a reservoir. That leads to a dead end. That doesn't bless other people. But it's being a channel, using the treasures, the time, the talents that God has given us to serve Him by serving others. This should be our continual prayer daily. Make me a channel of blessing, I pray. Jesus lived what He taught. He lived to the glory of God in obedience to His will, and that led Him to the cross where He died unselfishly for us so that we could be blessed by God. If you're ready to receive that gift of salvation and to answer that call to follow Jesus by being a steward of the blessings that God has given, we hope that you'll respond to the invitation And as a penitent believer, be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of sins today. What about us Christians? Have we been good stewards? Or have we been a reservoir instead of a river? Let's make those changes prayerfully.
And let's pray today and every day. God, make me a channel of blessing, I pray. If you need the prayers of the church today, if you need to respond to the invitation of Jesus, please come right now as we stand and sing.